0: out into the world with action. Navigating your mental, emotional, and physical health. Hi, I'm Diane Allen here at Someone Gets Me with an exciting guest for you today. Her name is Laura Rose Gage, and I have met her in some really amazing online communities, and I just instantly said, oh, you have to be on the show. She's young, dynamic, and she has a belief about the holistic part of our life in a much bigger way than what you mostly hear, that word holistic meaning. And I really am inspired by her, and I know you will be too. So get your favorite drink. Might want to grab a pen and paper because I'm sure you're going to want to take notes as we welcome onto the show, Laura Rose Gage. Welcome, Laura.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here because when I first met you, or and I first saw you, I'm like, oh, she has such a nice spirit that also has strength behind it, and that's a nice combination. (laughs) And so the first question I'd like to ask you is to share with us a little bit about any time in your life where maybe you didn't feel understood or you felt different Mm -hmm. than other people. Like, How has it been for you because you're young and you have such a progressive way of seeing things? I'm not so sure you've been understood the whole time.
1: Oh, when have I not been understood? <laughs> you know, I, um, from a very young age, was a strange person who I used to read stories about religions because I, I mean, I have memories from being seven or eight and just being fascinated with the idea of divine or ecstatic experience. And being raised in a fairly conservative Christian household, it wigged out my parents that I was like constantly reading books about Buddhism and Islam and all these things. And I always felt like, why doesn't everyone else feel excited about this? (laughs) What's going on? You know, and I think throughout my life, um, I've always gone back to that over and over again, like this understanding of what is the relationship with the divine or however you want to put it, and how can I experience closeness to that? And um, for me, when I talk to people who don't have that viewpoint, it just confuses me so much.
0: Yes, of course, because you have that deeper connection. So how do you like live that, because it's such a vast way of looking at things, everything from Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and all of the different diverse ways. And so I'm curious about how you've been able to incorporate these different philosophies into your life. Like how, how has that been working? That just sounds so exciting.
1: Well, I did have this, um, really funny realization a couple of weeks ago. Um, I actually texted a friend of mine and said, Oh my gosh, I'm a monotheist. This is crazy <laughs> <laughs> because I think I spent a long period of my time kind of a little bit more eclectic in my beliefs mm-hmm. and things like that. And, um, you know, when you have a wide understanding of all the different religious beliefs people have, uh, you start to see a little bit of the universality of it. And I Mm -hmm. don't like to say that to like degrade anyone's beliefs, because I think it's so important to have those really specific rituals and touchstones Mm -hmm. to access the divine. Um, But for me, the realization that if I could access access that just like 10% of my life, Mm -hmm. that it makes this huge difference. Um, and especially dealing with chronic depression and anxiety my entire life, once I realized that, I said, oh, this is how, this is how you live. This is is what we were doing as humans. Oh, I get it now.
0: (laughs) Oh, there you go. Right. So you said you've been Dealing with chronic anxiety and depression your whole mm-hmm. life. Say a little bit of, more about that kind of journey for people. A lot of people listen to this podcast, talk about those, those things. So tell us a little bit about that journey and how it's been for you.
1: Uh, you know, it's been tough. I can remember... Um Even in middle school, um, having suicidal ideation and self-injury practices just to deal with everything, Um, looking back on it and being in the profession I am now, I know that I was picking up on lots of other people's things (laughs) at the time. And so I do have different coping mechanisms now. Um, I also, one of the, and I've been struggling with this still. I mean, I still struggle with it. I don't think, but for me now, the mental and emotional symptoms are a message. And to understand that they have a purpose and they're not just who I am, because I think that I spent a long period of high school, college, really thinking depression is who I am. Anxiety is who I am. This is something I struggle with. This is how it is. And then, really working with patients, once I started working with patients, I understood that actually discomfort is okay. Discomfort is a message from my soul telling me something's off, you're not in alignment. And instead of sitting in the depression and sitting in the anxiety, I was doing lots of avoiding, (laughs) lots and lots of avoiding. You know, just if it's from listening to, uh, watching tons of TV, like binge watching Netflix to I, um, being on lots of medications, avoiding the issues in my marriage, all of those things avoiding, I was avoiding discomfort. And this moment that I said, you know what, what is this? What is the message? was the moment everything kind of clicked together for me on how, um, how I, what my heart path was.
0: Oh, that's so true. You know, I, I say all the time to people, you're not your emotions. We're much yeah. bigger than our emotions. We're much bigger than even our thoughts, you know? Yeah. And I have goosebumps listening to you because it's so <laughs> true. It's so true. And the moment you realize that the symptoms are a message, they're not your identity. You're free just like that.
1: Yeah. And yes. it's not it's it's like an unwinding. It's not like mm-hmm. everything disappears. No, no. But it's an unwinding. And I really I appreciate the unwinding. I yes. love that feeling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the unwinding of that of that spring that was just so tight. Mm-hmm. And that was sending off all these messages and now it can like relax a little bit more all the time. Yeah. You know. So do you think that you use your personal experience in history with anxiety and depression as something now that might even be an asset in your profession and your work with people because you do herbal healing and you do all kinds of neat things. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But do you use that personal experience as kind of like an adjunct in your work?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think um, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a healer. And I don't think that my heart path was to reach out and heal people. I think that my heart path was really to help connect Um, humans and my patients more with the divine because that's what I was yearning for from a young age. Mm -hmm. And instead of figuring that out on a spirit level, I was doing, I was intellectualizing it by reading and researching and getting a religious studies degree and doing all these things. Like my mind went on overdrive. Right. And I didn't really understand that it's not just my mental brain. (laughs) And so I view what I do with people as a continuation of the work I'm already doing, how that I do in my personal life. Um, That what all I'm really trying to do is connect people with the divine, with divine love to say, look, you know, this is amazing. You feel this for two seconds and look at all the things you can do in your life.
0: So true.
1: Yeah, so I, I think that I've <laughs> ever since going through school, I did think, oh, I'm a healer, right? Like you go into acupuncture, you go into Chinese medicine, and you're going, okay, now I'm on this healing path. And it hasn't been until recently um, that I've really understood no, no, I'm, I'm like a, i am like aii really just want to bring people together between the divine and themselves and really understand and be like a translator for other people's roadmap. I, I am not responsible for healing them.
0: Amen. I say that <laughs> all the time to people say, oh, thank you. You saved my life. I said, no, no, I'm the bridge. I'm the connector. Yeah. I, I might have a flashlight and I have a little bit more experience on the road, but I am not the healer. The healer is the divine. I'm reminding you that you can be connected in these cool ways, you know, and, and so it's delightful to speak to somebody who can get the nuance because our culture just uses words so quickly and oh, you're a healer, you do this and you do that. Okay, so you you work with herbs and acupuncture and you really sit with people and help them find that divine within them and help them awaken to their own beauty and that in my mind is the bridge it's the catalyst it's the the person that's like um as mary burmeister said from jinjin jitsu she talks about being the jumper cables and yeah and i like that phrase like i can think about me being a jumper cable like i see that image and i'm like i'm just helping wake it up in you it's already in there i'm just giving you a little jolt (laughs)
1: Right? Exactly. I always used to say, I'm just a conduit for this, guys. Like, I'm not really doing much.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and and here's the thing. You are doing much. Um, We are doing much. When we decide to step into that place to be that conduit, to be those jumper cables, that is a vital part in the big picture. Mm -hmm. So... We're not claiming ego-wise, oh, I'm the healer. You're not claiming that. What you are claiming is I have the skill set and the understanding and the calling to be that jumper cable, that conduit. And without the conduit, the message doesn't travel quite the same to the person. So it's a very important role, actually it's just not your ego taking credit for I'm the healer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and of course the goal always is that, um, like I won't see them again. Eventually. Um, I would love for them to have their own skills. And then we understand that eventually as you develop those skills, you can pass it on to people in your own life. You don't have to like send other people my way. Like that's just one of my big beliefs is that, um, just by being ourselves, being our true self mm-hmm. can create huge change in the world.
0: Absolutely. That authenticity and being true
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the real word. True. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so do you ever have any issues with overthinking? Do you yeah. ever like find yourself thinking, thinking, thinking? Cause when you made that comment about keeping it in your head, you know, and, and I could so see you doing that. So do you ever have those trouble where you get in those overthinking loops and you're like, oh, I can't get out of this? And if you do, what you're saying, yes. <laughs> could you could you give us a little bit of an example or two about things that you've learned how to do to calm that down a little bit? Overthinking and procrastination are the two biggest, most mentioned issues and emails I receive about the show. So oh, there are okay. people who are wondering how to calm their brain down or get their brain to cooperate a little bit more, not just be going all the time and not, you know, get high or drunk. So like, how do we do it in a healthy, healthy way? That's aligned mind, body, and spirit. So what are, do you have any tips?
1: So um, yeah, I have a long history of overthinking because I actually was diagnosed with ADHD when I was younger and went on lots of medication that didn't really do anything for me. Um, And I, know the signs now when that's happening because the way my ADD manifests is I hear auditory clicking in my head actually. Um, it's handy <laughs> to yeah. recognize when that's happening but I've done the gamut like I went through holistic um, work with naturopaths, Chinese medicine practitioners, acupuncture, all those things to help treat these learning disabilities learning differences and the overthinking just rapid overthinking and it wasn't until the last year or so that I felt like this huge difference and it was so simple it was so simple it was so frustrating how simple it was I stopped I stopped trying to control it and I just observed Mm. I went back into that half step where you go well I'm going to do it anyways So let's just acknowledge when it happens. Mm -hmm. And then the more I acknowledged it happening, the less it starts, (laughs) kept happening. (laughs) And the faster I would stop that spiral, right? Like Mm -hmm. the sooner that I would go, oh, nope, that don't take that bait. It's okay. Um, And it's not like it has disappeared completely. It still happens. The other part of this is that Chinese medicine really gives you this symbolism around overthinking. And overthinking is related to the spleen and to the digestion in general. And so really understanding um, overthinking as a symbol of I'm trying to digest too much. Trying to do too much right now. And um, most people will tell you, Laura, you take on way too many projects. You do way too many things. And so by understanding my overthinking, which is a primary symbol, uh, symptom of um, spleen qi deficiency, I understood, well, oh, I'm trying to do too much. And so once I understood that story that was happening, I understood observation and cutting back. Is what I needed to do.
0: And so when you notice it and then you cut back, did you notice that the overthinking was less of an issue for you? Did it relieve some of the the stress and tension around it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it actually, once I realized that connection, it released the tension of cutting back because I think most of us, the idea of cutting back is really stressful too. Mm -hmm. And it just, for me, relating it to, Physical symptoms. So I'll say that my overthinking is absolutely translates into physical symptoms. So this is, uh, this is exactly, I, I'm like the perfect example of a holistic model of the body where you have your soul and then you have the mental body, emotional body and the physical body. Most of my illness symptoms I have are digestive related. The morning I would go to school, <laughs> grad school, um, and, you know, I'd go to clinic where you're overthinking chronically. I would get in the car, sit in the car, open up the car door and throw up. And then I'd be fine the rest of the day. <laughs> and that's how my anxiety came out. It was just, you're overthinking this. You're about to go into something really stressful You can't cut back because you're in grad school. What the heck are you going to do with that? And so I channeled everything into my physical body. And it wasn't until years later that I recognized that those physical symptoms were without a doubt emotional, mental related, and they were spiritual related down the the line. They were soul related because I still didn't really know how that path was in alignment with my heart. And so now instead, when I recognize the overthinking and the need to cut back, I step back and I say, is this in alignment with my heart path? Because ultimately all disease comes from the heart.
0: All disease comes from the heart ultimately? Yes. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to say more about that. That's I have, Nobody's ever said that to me yet.
1: So it's a very much a Chinese medicine concept and especially the um, Chinese medicine school that I'm kind of a part of is this idea that all disease comes from the heart. So the heart is the empress of the body. She's in charge, but she shouldn't have to do anything. All she has to do is, she's the empress. (laughs) She points. (laughs) She says, do this for me. The problem is, is that other parts of our body try to take over. So like the liver in Chinese medicine is the official. Um, He's like the wedding planner who's like running around like crazy. And and that's okay to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. except when in our life, we're not following our heart path. When we're not following our heart path, our heart starts to go, Well, you're not really feeding me at all. So I'm just going to let the liver go crazy. (laughs) I'm just going to let it take over. And if you just let that aspect of yourself take over, then you end up down a path years, years down the line going, you know what? I don't actually want to be doing what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. So if I relate the heart to the soul and to this idea in Chinese medicine that the heart is this perfect combination of earth and heaven and that humanity is this manifestation of the intertwining of earth and heaven and the heart is the the purest manifestation of that and we're ignoring what the heart path is asking us then of course it manifests all sorts of mental, emotional, and physical symptoms. So
0: that makes it also logical and not so seemingly accidental or mysterious. Like people say, oh, I can't believe this. I can't believe that. I'm like, well, there's causes for it. And I look at it a lot metaphysically, mm-hmm. right? Like stomach problems and digestion means I'm having a hard time stomaching life, which is very similar to what you're, what you're saying it is, right? Yeah. And how all addiction and stuff is a broken heart, is a disease of the heart. So it's interesting how metaphysics and Chinese medicine have some similar ideas about how it shows up in the body, that it is a disconnection spiritually and emotionally and mentally. And the physical being gives us that perfect feedback for where the disconnection is. Mm. That's fascinating.
1: And it's it's just a lens, you know, like that's why there's the overlap. Like I work with um, the naturopath I work with in my um, acupuncture practice. She has a background in naturopathic medicine, but also Native American medicine. And we'll sit and have conversations about how to view the body, how these things manifest, and they overlap. All the time, <laughs> you know. There's this beautiful kind of interchange between. I mean, we're all humans in the end, right? So uh, I, this is this is what I've been pursuing. This is why I think like that that need that want to understand the divine from a very young age has translated into what the work that I do with people. And I used to do this in a sneaky way. I used to have people come in who had um, chronic pain and I'd be like, okay, okay, we'll treat your low back pain. And I would give them all sorts of logic about why you can do points that um, aren't actually on the low back and it still treats low back pain. And I started to um, not actually treat their pain. I started to treat the um, spirit of their organs and the emotions of their organs. And they would get, 20 times more pain relief than they had before. Because as a caveat here, I hate treating pain. (laughs) But when you're an acupuncturist, everyone comes in and thinks, oh, you can treat pain. (laughs) And what I recognized in my practice was that if I actually treated the stress, the insomnia, the emotional imbalance, the mental imbalance, and really helped bring the heart path in alignment and therefore all the other organs, mm-hmm. and I would get 20 times better results with pain relief than anything else.
0: So that's treating the cause and the underlying things rather than just putting a band-aid on it. Yeah. And in Western society, we're trained put the band-aid on and keep on going. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate about all my acupuncture friends and people who study Chinese medicine is it's the underneath. It's like what's the core? Cause I'm a big one on let's look at the cause. You know, if we're going to put a Band-Aid on a cyst, that, that infection's in there until we get it out. So let's take care of the cause. Then we won't need Band-Aids after a while. Yeah. So so you were sneaky and treating all their inner causes without them knowing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I think the biggest growth that I've done in my practice actually is to no longer be sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's, there's a time for that. And I absolutely in the past year or so have decided no, you know what, all you guys need to learn that it's not about the physical pain. (laughs) And I don't want to sneak it anymore. And if we, um, if you can't tolerate that idea, then we're not a good fit. And so that's been one of the kind of biggest changes that has happened um, in the past year, two years, where I've just decided that It's time to be fully visible and to be completely (laughs) woo-woo.
0: So how long, when did you get out of school? How long have you been doing this?
1: I've been doing this um, seven years now. Seven years. Eight. Eight. I don't know. 2012.
0: Eight. Eight
1: years. (laughs) I'm no good with time.
0: (laughs) That is really, really magical. I love this story. So do you have a success story of somebody that you helped that maybe didn't really understand what was happening and you were able to help them see the way and without any breaking any confidentiality, could you just kind of share about like, how, how was a person when they got there? What were you thinking about as you were helping them? Mm-hmm. And then kind of, how did it all unfold? I think it's, it's really interesting because a lot of people in Western society do not understand sometimes a different way of thinking. And so I really would like people to understand how you think about these things. Cause here you are this inquisitive person your whole life and really wanting to be that conduit and, you know, connections, the correction. And so can you give us a cool example of, of when you were, you know, when you did that, somebody you think about right away when you go, Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. I think about um, kind of a combination of almost all my fertility patients (laughs) because <laughs> I, I do a lot of work with fertility, and um, there's a couple of them, absolutely without a doubt. So, I the fertility work I do is very specific, um, and most of the time, my fertility patients come in and they have a very, they're like, I have PCOS or I have painful periods or something, and I'm not getting pregnant, and they just want me to write them an acupuncture prescription come in once a week. Let's do this. And one of the first conversations I have with all my fertility patients is about the emotions that are involved in what they're doing Mm -hmm. and really the transformation that is necessary. And one of the biggest parts of this is the, uh, the acceptance that you can't push to receive this.
0: Mm -hmm. You have to
1: be open to receive.
0: Right. You can't push to receive. You have to be open.
1: (laughs) You know, this idea of the speed of the divine, you know, the earth can be instantaneous or it can be as slow as it really wants to be. (laughs) 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 And uh, this is uh, so many of my fertility people. Sometimes it's taken two years. Sometimes it takes three months, but all of them have said, this wasn't just about becoming a mother anymore. And the reason why I went into becoming, um, doing fertility was because what I saw in in infertility clinics and IVF was, it was just about becoming a parent. Doesn't matter how much we um, deteriorate your system. Doesn't matter how much we pull upon, like most of the fertility medications really sap the body. Most of those pregnancies are very deficient pregnancies. And the patients I work with to naturally get to that point of being able to conceive on a physical, on an emotional, a mental, and a spiritual level means that it means 20 times more than going through IVF ever did.
0: How powerful too, because now there that that person's healed and, Connected, and so as they have their baby and move forward, then that still stays there. There's none of this disconnection or or disjointedness about that relationship and about yeah. the whole the whole part of it.
1: Wow. We, yeah, when you work in fertility, it's all uphill battle. Of it's not just physical, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so that's the, I think that those patients are the people who I think of it about right away. I'm like, okay, they. Mm-hmm most of the time they come in very type a they are constantly asking me questions they're constantly sending me google articles oh my gosh i i like forbid google for all my patients (laughs) (laughs) and by the time we're done working it's really about it's okay to be uncomfortable it's okay to not know i am open and ready for this And I almost wish that everyone had that mindset when they came in, like this goal, this magical goal of getting pregnant, because if we all had that really strong goal, I think that we would feel uh, more motivated to kind of make these big changes in our life. And it's not just for people who end up with a baby. I have plenty of patients who decide not to. I have patients who decide to leave their relationships because working has helped them realize, actually, I'm not going to bring a baby into this family, things like that. So I think it's more powerful to actually take a reflective soul centered approach to getting pregnant.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, (laughs) um, and I was just thinking when you're talking about like everybody being pregnant like that, I'm thinking, you know, like, it, that consciousness, like being pregnant with good ideas, or being pregnant with the book I'm writing, or the whatever the fill in the blank thing, that consciousness of being open to receive and to birth it, is much more um, organic to the way we're built than this whole you know act like a machine and and yeah. push it out and that kind of thing too. So, I think it would be more friendly to the body not as stressful and not as difficult for our organs and our electrical system to like do whatever it is that we're wanting to do you know that makes sense to me
1: well and we all have these natural rhythms for creativity and giving birth to something yes i'm so grateful to my fertility work because i don't think i would have come to the part i am in my practice now without it to recognize that we're all engaging in these same ryth- ryth- rhythms, baby or not. Nice.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. I think it's so cool. Connection is the correction. And our body's like that perfect feedback loop, yes. you know? <laughs> and so... If somebody, if I was to come to you, like, oh, Laura, I rose, I found out who you are and help me, help me. So what, if somebody was to come to you or that, you know, all the listeners are going, wow, I want to meet her. I want to work with her. I want to see, you know, what she can do for me. Give us a little taste of what it's like to work with you.
1: Well, um, I work online and in person. I'm in Eastern Washington on the Idaho border. Um But I also am moving into more online, Mm -hmm. mostly because the type of interviewing I do is um, like a five-element interviewing technique where I really pay attention to the way people tell me things. Sometimes one phrase of someone can unlock this huge um, kind of treasure trove of symbols and understanding of how people approach life. Uh, So we do a long kind of 60-minute It's a fun conversation. It doesn't really feel like a medical intake at all. Um, It's more about really understanding how do emotions feel in your body? How do you deal with stress? Because everyone deals with these things differently. And it gives really insight into what elements are in charge of the person at the time. So we have that conversation. And then um, from there, I uh, do some recommendations like food recommendations, flower essences, sometimes single herbs, sometimes formulas. I really only use um, kind of traditional Chinese formulas when someone has something acute going on, when people need a Band-Aid treatment. So um, I'm not a fan of Band-Aid treatments, but occasionally we need them.
0: (laughs) Well, right. There's always those things. We have to stop the bleeding so that we can help the underneath part, whatever that would be. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. And so what I'll do, but when it comes to kind of constitutional treatment and really helping Bring the body into alignment so you can get the healing done that you need to get done. I'll use plant essences or single or paired herbs. And usually that's just about um, taking an infusion or even just meditating with the physical herb itself. Or if you're local to the herb growing, I'm like, let's go find it. I'll help you identify it. <laughs>
0: oh, that's So you're like a hands-on experiential let's just get to the root of it all type person.
1: Yes. And it's all about spending the time out in nature. And what's lovely is through those conversations, there's always a story that emerges and I do a lot of storytelling. I use a lot of traditional Chinese like mythology and um, also just fables and myths throughout the entire world, because I think that they really help us understand archetypes that are at work in our life I'm a firm believer that a story can heal someone Um, and so we can go from there where once I really understand the elements that are at play then we talk about um, what story is playing in your life at that moment (laughs) and how we can help with that and then um, really how can nature help because nature has the resonance of the divine when you're a plant or a tree, you're not sitting there worrying about how you're going to get water. You're just not. <laughs> right. You, you just are.
0: And they're not getting and, all nervous, like it's going to get windy tomorrow, yeah. or we don't know, or like, that's not how it works.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so one of my biggest things is like, how can you just be? You know, mm-hmm. not to say that, like, that's how I can be. But like I said, 10% of the time, or even 1% of the time, mm-hmm. if you could just be. That would be amazing. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) I I think we would um, really be able to accomplish everything that our heart desires if we can just get to that point. So what is it like to be unconditionally with no condition at all? And one of the things that we do work is to see if there are conditions to living. So I have had conditions to my life of, I am safe, therefore I am. Mm -hmm. Some people have, I am protected, therefore I am. And really thinking about, do you have conditions on being on your life? Because I don't think God has conditions on you existing. (laughs) (laughs) So we really, um, we work through that. And sometimes that can be one visit. And sometimes that can be once a month for three to six months, Uh, usually no more than twice a month, but really working through some of those issues and taking the time to reflect. You don't need to see someone or even an acupuncture sometimes uh, every week to really get work done. And sometimes it's better to take the time to walk away and to reflect and let it simmer and settle.
0: Now, I'm an acupuncture junkie, and (laughs) I just told my acupuncturist a couple days ago when I saw her, I said, you know, I would come every day (laughs) if you let me, because I love it. I love how I feel. I love the idea behind it. I can feel when all the meridians open up, like I can feel Mm -hmm. it working in my body because I'm so sensitive. And she just smiles. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'll see you in two weeks. I'll see you, whatever. And I do whatever she says. Like I, I do, but I'm like, more is better, right? But yeah. not always. Sometimes it's the relaxing into the flow of it and allowing that is better. But our Western mind is like, ooh, ooh, more, more. I, if I can do more, I'll do more. And that's not the answer to the question. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I have lots of people say that to me and I'm like, this is because acupuncture is the easy button to get into a state. There's no reason why you can't do that on your own. And my goal is to help you do that on your own. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that I see plenty of people for acupuncture once a week, twice a week, actually, especially my people who um, just they're doing a lot and they're trying to uh, maintain energy levels that might not be realistic if they weren't seeing an acupuncturist. But I consider acupuncture one tool in a huge amount of tools mm-hmm. that Chinese medicine practitioners have. Uh, but I agree. If I could get acupuncture, you know, at least once a week, that would be lovely too. Mostly because it feels like this um, beautiful pause. Yes. When I get up from acupuncture, I feel like I just did an hour's worth of yoga.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some of my most amazing insights and intuitions not only laying there but driving home yeah like a short laughter i'm like whoa this is great and that's why i like it because it's it it, it's like it cleans out the gook or the fog or the static of whatever whether it's internal or external because i'm an empath and i have to deal with that like Mm -hmm. all those different things and it's just like oh okay let's get off the merry-go-round and clean it up for a minute and then now let's
1: see yeah in my opinion you're uh, after acupuncture you're in perfect alignment when the acupuncturist does its jo- does their job you're in perfect alignment you're perfectly stacked like your um, your heart is in perfect alignment with all the other organs mm-hmm. and so of course you get a full the full download
0: <laughs> at that oh time.
1: yeah I have lots yeah. of patients who experience that, and that's why they they do it and I often like it, it is my belief you can do that on your own. You really can. You mm-hmm. can get there on your own. Um, it just takes a lot of work sometimes. And so it's easier to just go get acupuncture, which is why I love to go get acupuncture as well.
0: <laughs> I can do it on my own relatively easy now. Really? And and at the same time, I think it feels really good to be nurtured that way. Like yeah. my energy systems being loved and nurtured with the needles my acupuncturist like gets it and she doesn't have to say anything. I just know she gets it. And so it's like, it's like a big energy, spiritual nurture experience along with all the other cool benefits. And so I think it has such deep, profound connection and and ability for us as humans, much more than people think. I've I've suggested it to clients before and they go, Oh, I don't do needles or whatever. I'm like, that's not what I just said, but okay, so let's just dissect it, like back it up, and let's look at why I'm saying that, that that might be something to try. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying you might want to give it a shot.
1: Some of my best patients who I love are were terrified of needles <laughs> when they first started seeing me, and I just think the stronger the resistance to the acupuncture, the more impactful it will be for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> You know, and I, yeah. that's beautifully put. I've never heard it that way. Um, it's a great way to think about acupuncture, absolutely. Yeah. And the, I mean, I love hearing everyone's experience of acupuncture because it's different for everyone. Right. I love hearing about the colors, I love hearing about the things people see. It's just amazing.
0: <laughs> it is. It's fascinating to me. Now, you have an herbal apothecary in your home.
1: I do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we talk about that. Okay, first of all, let everybody know what is an herbal apothecary and why on earth would you have one and what do you do with it? Like I just think it's fascinating. I saw a picture that you put on social media of the herbal apothecary in your home and I thought I am so glad she has scheduled an interview because I'm going to ask her about this. It's fascinating. <laughs> and so talk about that part of this and how that kind of goes with all the work you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's like another kind of side, side Laura thing. (laughs) I have always been connected with plants from a very young age and I spent a lot of time running around in the woods when I was younger. Um, and it felt like a no-brainer. Like I went to Chinese medicine school to be a licensed herbalist, not to do acupuncture, even though I love acupuncture now. Um, and I do it all the time. I, uh, I was there first to be an herbalist. Uh, and so an herbal apothecary, gosh, it can be many things. And lots of people use that definition to cover lots of different businesses. So I've been to some apothecaries where they just sell tea or they sell a lot of different um, like botanical type of beauty products. Mm -hmm. My apothecary is a true compounding apothecary where I have over 400 single herbs that I will mix um, for other practitioners into formulas that they send me, and then I mail it or deliver it to their patients. And then, um, or individuals call me and ask me to make something for them. I feel that... The plants talk to me, and I love to have them in my house now. It's pure kind of um, as a result of COVID-19 that I have my apothecary in my house now. I did have a retail location and um, decided to close it when uh, I had to close, basically, because I'm in Mm -hmm. Washington State, and we had to do a stay-at-home order, and I just went, you know what? Not worth it. So I remodeled my basement into my apothecary. <laughs> um, and now I have them here. Uh, but there isn't an online consult that I do where, and I do most of them down in my apothecary, where the um, they're talking to me. They say, oh, this one, this is the one to do. This is what I want. And so um, when I talk about my kind of, tagline for police herbal apothecary is honoring the spirit of the herbs. And it's really because I think that those spirits, which are like nature spirits really do have a resonance for, with each person. And there's a reason why like um, Bai he, which is lily bulb. It's a tiger lily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that herb when combined with another traditional Chinese herb is The remedy for something called lily bulb disease, which is this idea of if just one more thing happens, I'm done. I'm just done. Mm -hmm. And then who, who, what American doesn't have that thought at one point? At at some point
0: or other. And some people more than others. Yes. Right. Right.
1: Which is why Bob is one of my like, favorite. She's, she lives in my garden. I sit with her all the time. Um, it was definitely one of those herbs where like, oh, she's going to be in my garden because I can't take that formula all the time. She just needs to be here.
0: Just hang um, out right here.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's not, you know, there's not, there, every single time I work with someone, those plants say something to me. They say, oh, this, they really need me. And it's like what I was talking about earlier where a tree just is, a plant just is. And it's not like they don't have their own unique personality and their own resonance in the way that they exist in the world. Every plant just is. And as a human to sit with that plant, that herb, highly medicinal or not, um, you really understand and take, like you can match the resonance of that plant. So one way that I do that is, let's see, someone has chronic UTIs. It's not about throwing a bunch of herbs at them that get rid of bacteria. It's about throwing an herb at them that exists in the world in a way that um, lets uh, water metabolism balance out. So like a mushroom, let's say. fooling poria ideal herb for balancing water metabolism in the person. And most of the time, chronic UTIs are about an overabundance of water or water in the wrong place or something like that. And so I uh, really do think that with just a few plants that really show the body, hey, look, you can be in balance. Mm -hmm. Look at how I'm in balance when I live in my life.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Like, come on, you know, like, yeah. if I can live in balance, you can too. Come on, human, catch up with me.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Here's the example
0: of what the pattern looks like. Yeah. Come, come play with me, yes.
1: Yes, and so that, I think, that's why herbs and I get along so well and um, a long answer to why I have a bunch of herbs in my basement. But
0: <laughs> I think that's really cool. I'm talking to you. I, I spent some time last summer on Pender Island in Canada with an herbalist who has been studying with the first people, all the indigenous tribes for many, many, many years. I think he had something like the first you know, actual herb shop or whatever back in the 60s where he was living at the time. It wasn't Pender Island. It was somewhere else. Anyway, I was fascinated by, by meeting this gentleman. And so then he did this intercultural workshop so of course I fly from Florida to Penderon, Canada directly diagonally across North America um, to go to this couple day event a lot of people thought I was a little bit nuts but I wasn't because one of the things that he taught us real life and I'm in the Pacific Northwest where you are but like I don't know I don't have a reference point for that much I've been there a couple of times but not like this not hiking up and down mountains and doing stuff and checking out mushrooms and looking at this and and seeing things differently but he taught us how to attune to the plants mm-hmm. and let them talk to you and they talked to me they talked to me and it was funny because there was this one time where I said, they're telling us to take care of the young ones, the young ones. And, um, and I kept hearing that over and over. And he translated it as children. I said, no, 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 young ones, like young in something, just learning something, the new people. They don't have to be young in age. And it was really clear to me. And I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. you know. And so then I meet you and the herbs talk to you. And I totally get it. Because I've, you're not the first person that I've ever interacted with, and they, they actually talked to me. The arbutus tree helped heal this back injury from that I had from a car accident. There's it, still a little challenge with it, but I felt it just whip in and just kind of clear out stuff that was actually not in my back.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and I was thinking about that when you were talking. Huh? Very cool. Very exactly cool.
1: Exactly right. And we know it, all humans know it, to our small traditions of, I, I, in our family, we have a tradition of when a, a parent passes away, we always plant a tree for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I know lots of families who have traditions like that. So even yes. if we've lost this knowledge, we actually, we really know it. My mom looks at our hawthorn tree. I live next door to my parents. Um, we are on the same block. And so she always says to me, I look at that hawthorn tree and I think of my mom, who's very prickly, but has beautiful flowers. <laughs> you know and i can say with earnestness that that healed that tree healed a lot of wounds from my grandmother's passing so they're always talking to us Mm -hmm. always you just have to listen it's the same way as our our soul is always talking to us just have to listen (laughs)
0: <laughs> just have to listen, so so you use all of these neat tools to help people just listen and get connected in a way that 's so powerful that then they they keep seeking it on their own yeah so that is a really amazing way to navigate your physical mental, and emotional health it 's not the typical western way that 's full of intervention and never really looking at it it 's much softer. And much more long-lasting from what everything I'm hearing from you and so I love that we're talking about navigating these things in a non-traditional way because I think it's time for for changes to happen and people to start seeing that there's options and there's ways to handle it it meaning the overall picture
1: right absolutely
0: that's really cool and so you do online consult so y'all if you're really loving laura rose like i'm loving talking to her then reach out look in the show notes and reach out to her and either make an appointment for a consult or follow her on social media or go to her website because she'll help you out and obviously she's really gifted and i'm sitting here thinking i might want to do a herbal consult because i want to hear what the herbs are telling her about what i need or not like i think that's fascinating Because I, you know, I wonder, and the way I will figure it out is probably say, Hey, I have to do that. Anyway, that's beside the point. I just, but I would, I have great respect. I have great respect for how nature um, heals and can offer solutions that man, I mean, actually, medicine comes, you know, they started with plants when they started doing that. So let's get clear on that. And, what no more beautiful way than with a beautiful marrying of lots of neat neat energy and historical things. And then with your own personal soft strength that you have.
1: Oh, thank you. Really, it's really (laughs) nice. It's
0: it's very nice. So a couple other little questions. One would be, what is your most memorable food that you've ever eaten?
1: Oh gosh, that's so hard. I've had celiac disease the past fifteen years or so. So, <laughs> do I go for nostalgia <laughs> of things you like could you have anymore?
0: <laughs> well, memorable, memorable would be the operative word. What's something memorable that you've ever eaten, just for fun?
1: Yeah, I love uh, guava from the tree. Gravel fruit mm-hmm. from the tree, or really anything in Hawaii that I had that I picked from a tree. And
0: yes, <laughs> those tropical fruits. Oh, yes,
1: right. <laughs> and just the experience of it—you know, cutting it with your own knife and taking it—and um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I raise my own chickens and my own eggs and everything, and so I've just learned that having that experience really just feels fantastic.
0: Yes love that i had a similar experience once when i did a coconut i had the machete and cut it and then cut it open and then right get the coconut milk coconut water out of it it's like ooh, this is like decadent in its own yeah. its own way you know um yeah that's cool i love it that's beautiful so we've covered a lot of ground and you've you have answered all my little questions so is there anything that you were wanting to share or talk about? Your links will be in the show notes and your full bio so that all of you guys can read more about Laura Rose because she's very skilled at what she does. But is there anything that you wanted to share with all the listeners around the globe that I didn't ask you about or that your heart is saying share it or anything like that?
1: Hmm. Really, I tell, would tell everyone exactly what I tell all my patients, which is I love you exactly the way you are right now in this moment
0: so just let that in right got to mm-hmm. receive it so if you were going to have a billboard that had any laura rose message on it what would it be
1: hmm well i'm sure i love you
0: <laughs> i love you All
1: right. it's there you know it's Gosh, I wish you know what working with the divine and cultivating that relationship—so many things are unspeakable and untellable. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could incompre- like, just put that in a bill, like that feeling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Me too. I- <laughs> There's no words. You can't. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thank you for all of the great information that you've shared with everybody and given us a whole exciting way to really open up on another level for ways to have vibrant, healthy lives that are um, fulfilling and joyful. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, everybody, you have been listening to Laura Rose Gage from Washington State, who is a gifted acupuncturist and herbal healer. So if you really loved what she said as much as I did, go on to the show notes and connect with her, follow her on social media, and let her know you heard her here on Someone Gets Me so that she can see that her wise words have touched you too. But until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, remember to keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star on purpose, here with a purpose. So go out there, play your music, let your light shine. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.